This week, that little blue check that shows a Twitter user is verified turned into kind of a target and temporarily shut down some of the platform's most popular accounts. And it may have been an insider job to boot. We'll talk about that next on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcon. All right, welcome in to another edition of the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. I'm your host, Marty Carpenter, joined today by Dan Schuyler of Valcom and Anthony Boise of Sophos, both having friend of the pod status. Gentlemen, uh, great to see you both again. Great to see you. As always, thanks for having us. For our listening audience, we, we know that they always want the update. Anthony, since last time we recorded, has shaved the, the beard. Um, although I would say he's shaved the beard, but what he's got going there in could be for Anthony 30 minutes of stubble is still better than what <laughs> what I could produce so I know um, we've got to start every show with a beard update so that's wanted to make sure people got the picture of what we're looking at here that's right that's right thank you yes uh, hey guys some some uh we had like a whole other show planned for today but then there's been a couple things that have popped up in the news and so I wanted to, to sort of hit on these and the first one that we'll talk about in this segment as I mentioned in the open uh Twitter Twitter essentially I think it's fair to say kind of got hacked and someone got uh, access to uh to uh the inside of twitter and uh anyway we'll, we'll kind of dive into that in just a second but the result was they ended up shutting down a lot of their verified users some of their biggest most high profile users a status that's usually celebrities um professional athletes politicians uh things along those right i'm not a verified twitter user uh either of you guys a verified twitter user I am not. Yeah, so no nope. disruption to your service as far as your tweets. I did give it a, a real good try once when I was uh, when I was the governor's uh, spokesman. I got him certified or got him verified and, and said, you know, I, I tweet a lot for us too. Would you throw me in the mix? And they, they weren't going for it. So I made made an attempt at least. So anyway, let's let's get into sort of how this happened and, and maybe between the two of you you can use your expertise better than than my uh, more layman's terms. But uh, Twitter essentially got hacked, whether it was from an inside source or an outside source or some combination of the two. Anthony, what, what happened? Yeah, so it's actually quite interesting. Um, and I love one of the articles that we had, uh, had, had taken a look at um, is, was talking through sort of the chain of events and, and about kind of how things started to progress and, and sort of the targeted accounts and the coveted accounts and, and these OG accounts, right? Some of the original uh, accounts that have got very short uh, uh, handles, for instance, one letter, three letter type handles and about how, you know, um, there's this kind of SIM swapping, and getting in and changing of, 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 a, uh, of an email address and then redirecting sort of that account to this new user, even, even, getting around the multi-factor uh, because they could have direct access to the system and therefore change the email address that it was attached to. And therefore, when the multi-factor code or request came in, that was going to a new email address. So there's actually even some folks that were still kind of locked out of their account, even though they had multi-factor enabled and, and whatnot. So again, with this slew of things that happened, this, this course of events, uh, you know, getting, getting access, obviously, step one. So finding the right person, finding whoever it was that they were compromising, however they ended up compromising them. You know, another article mentions that they had an insider person that they have worked with and, and that insider person that works at Twitter that has access uh, did the dirty work for them. Like 
you know, so, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different kind of information out there, but, but it definitely started with finding the right target and then allowing, allowing that target to kind of uh, assist them in, in performing their attack. Yeah. Dan, what do you make of all this? So the key word to me, I think Anthony uh, paraphrased this, this whole event perfectly. Um, the key word to me is social engineering. Social engineering. Um, and all of our technologies, all of our security products have two things. They do one or both. They do intrusion detection and intrusion prevention. That, that's really what security products do. They detect and prevent. Um, or they do both. That's, that's essentially in a nutshell what our security products do. As humans, we don't have IPS or, and we have very little IDS. We don't know how to prevent and we have very little uh, acumen uh, generally. Uh, employees have very little acumen and knowledge on how to detect uh, an attack. And this is, this is the problem or this is, this is how social engineering works because these attackers know that through some methods, through some social engineering method, they will find a way to get in. And as Anthony mentioned, there might have been some, uh, uh, might have been an employee that's getting paid by the hackers. We, we don't know. But clearly, this was definitely a social engineering attack. Whether you pay them or not, it's social engineering because you bypassed all the security controls, you paid the employee, and they gave you access to a tool that Anthony mentioned allows you to change the email address. And then once you've changed the email address, you basically have the keys to the kingdom to that account. And this is the problem with the human element. It is, it's so vulnerable to attack, and we are not, most, most employees are not designed with intrusion prevention and very little intrusion detection. And this is, this is going to be the attack vector that will continue to be used by hackers because it is so successful. That's what jumped out to me in all of this is just that we talk a lot about security on this podcast, but very rarely do we talk about the threat of, of someone on the inside just saying, to heck with it, yeah, I'll help you out, or being social engineered to do that in some type of way. Um, how concerned business, should businesses be about insider attacks? And, and is there a way to really, I mean, I, I, I guess let me start here. How easy is it for Twitter to figure out internally who did this? I mean, you're talking about a company that's got some of the top coding talent in the world. I imagine that whoever this insider may be knows how to cover his or her tracks pretty well, even internally. Are, are they going to be able to find out who it was? Or, or can someone on the inside actually sort of protect their anonymity? I think yes and yes. Um, it's, it's kind of a, that is a bit of a challenging question because uh, these, these individuals are definitely far smarter than I am, but uh, in say, uh, especially at, at performing such, such things. And so I would, I, I have to imagine trying to think for a second and uh, put my mind in a, uh, myself in the, in the mind of a hacker or, or, or a malicious actor uh, I would be planning out this event, right? I would be, I'd be considering that. I'd be considering the recourse. I'd be considering the, the, the breadcrumbs that I would be leaving. Uh, you know, what system am I actually initiating this from? What system? Because yes, absolutely, there's going to be a digital breadcrumb somewhere saying that it was my system. For instance, my IP address or some kind of digital marker that it came from me. So again, I don't have a lot of this detail. Haven't been able to read through. Uh, any sort of documentation that's, that's highlighted this information. But in saying that, the likelihood of, of someone being caught, my hope is that it's high. 
uh, my I do imagine that this individual um, or individuals uh, again not not a hundred percent sure if it was deliberate uh, my hope is that it was um, uh, the tracks there are, are very present if it was accidental I'm pretty certain they would know who it came from where it came from and and what have you um, but my again my hope is that they're going to be caught now just something as well sorry to kind of deviate from that for a second but just uh, something that was Dan mentioned and then even you mentioned um, you know one of the key things that I also had taken from this which which absolutely obviously ties in is just yes we speak a lot about those external threats right we have spoken every time we've spoken about the uh, the external threats and I have even brought up before that humans uh, on the pod that humans are like firewalls just we come with all ports open uh, you know uh, a link comes in and I even used this example before oh look cat video click you know or, or check out my picture of my son or my daughter or my my whatever and uh, and we click and so yes there's training involved but even in a case like this even if it doesn't matter the amount of training if the human element has been compromised okay the human has been compromised and they always i mean there's the saying out there that everyone has a price i, I like to think that i don't have one right um uh due to personal uh uh morals and ethics and all that kind of good gear but they say humans have a price and evidently well not evidently but there's a possibility that this human had a price despite the training despite the you know whatever may be in place so again back to what you were saying and your question i believe that there would be digital breadcrumbs and i I think that this individual end up, if it was deliberate, I believe they'll probably end up getting yeah. caught. It made me think of the, uh, I don't know if either of you have seen the, the TV series, the Americans that's based on the, you know, the 1980s Russian spies who kind of became essentially Americans and were impossible to kind of figure out who they were. Um, it's not of that same thing that, you know, you mentioned maybe they don't have a price or, you know, everyone has a price, but maybe, um, even if someone doesn't have a price, maybe they have a cost. And so is, you know, is there, it's not necessarily just a carrot of here's more, here's money or something that we'll give you for helping us. There could be a stick involved as well. And that gets into sort of old school espionage and, and things along those sure. lines. I'm just wondering, Dan, do businesses have, generally speaking, do they have um, is security as you put in sort of your, your culture of cybersecurity and your systems in place? Um, does that, naturally come with a way to trace the breadcrumbs back back to someone who might be a bad actor from inside the organization? Or is that something that a business needs to say, hey, we need to make sure that we have this. So if something does go wrong from the inside, that we can trace it back. Is it inherent or is it something that you need to focus on specifically and, and maybe think outside of what your normal pattern would be? So I think all organizations should have some way of logging the activity of their users, whether it's an accidental mistake or, uh, you know, intentional, like apparently this, this was. And there are a bunch of tools out there that can do that, that can monitor the logs and the activities of users so you can trace this back, hopefully, to the end user that caused this chain of events to happen, whether it was intentional or, or accidental. And for compliance reasons, there are, are many regulations out there that require you to keep a log of this type of activity. So I, I think it's incumbent upon an organization who wants to 
uh, ensure the security of their client's data to be able to log that type of activity, at the very least, just to prevent or to trace any accidental um, occurrences and certainly to be able to uh, trace a, uh, an incident like this. Um, I wanted to say that from what, what can uh, Twitter users do? I think that's important because this could happen again. There's nothing that Twitter is going to be able to put in place to stop social engineering. This could definitely happen again, a, a different type of attack vector. And it's incumbent upon the end user to ensure their own security. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. The end users got to be uh, very cognizant of what they can do to protect their account. So three things. One, if you have a Twitter account and you've never used it before and you don't intend to use it, delete it. Get rid of it. Don't need to have it. Why have it there? It could become vulnerable. If you do have a Twitter account, uh, enable password reset protection. You can do that on your Twitter account. It's really easy. Go in there, go into your security settings and click that and you're, you're done. And enable two-factor authentication through an authentication app, not through SMS text messaging because that is how uh, these hackers got into the accounts. They bypassed the SIM. And they didn't, these were, these were uh, 2FA accounts that were sending SIM codes. So you don't want to do that. You want those uh, tokens, that second factor, to be sent to an authentication app. And again, you can do that through your security settings in Twitter. Really easy to set up. Takes 30 seconds to do. And those two things will exponentially increase the security of your account. That's awesome. I know, Anthony, you've talked to us before on the pod about these uh, authentication apps. And I think it's something we should probably circle back to uh, in some upcoming episodes to talk a little bit more, especially since they've jumped and become uh, part of these headlines. Absolutely. I welcome that conversation. I think uh, Dan and I could, could talk a, a whole segment <laughs> on that for sure. Yeah. What's amazing to me is we've put a bow on this uh, Twitter thing. It caught big headlines because it's Twitter and because it's authenticated accounts or verified accounts uh, and because it had names attached to it like President Barack Obama and so on. Um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, right? Some of these big names that were that were part of it. Uh, but what the hackers ultimately did was kind of push out saying uh, essentially a fraudulent push to get people to give them money. And they only they came away with like, I, I guess on one hand, amazing that anyone would think, oh, Barack Obama gave me 30 minutes to reply and give him $10,000 and he'll give me 20 and, and fall for that. Though at this point, nothing should surprise us, I guess, in this realm. But on the other end, that they didn't really make all that much money off of it considering uh, how big of a headline-grabbing hack this was. So interesting 200, to see. 200,000 and counting. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, hey, when we come back, we're going to shift from Twitter to the other topic that everybody's talking about nonstop. That's the COVID-19 pandemic. And we're going to tie it together with some of this Russian spy stuff because, hey, everyone's got something or at least is in development of something and the Russians want it. And I bet you can guess how the Russians are going to try to get it. Back with more after this on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valco. Do you ever wonder what you would do with 12 billion dollars? Well, that's the amount of money that business email compromising has cost businesses in just the last five years. Barracuda Sentinel detects threats that traditional email security systems can't. It integrates directly with Microsoft Office 365 APIs to detect attacks coming from both internal and external sources. It uses artificial intelligence to detect signs of malicious intent and deception within every email with virtually no IT administration required. Check out vlcmtech.com slash barracuda-sentinel to find out how you can save your company from a hacker's $12 billion business. That's vlcmtech.com 
slash barracuda-sentinel, B-A-R-R-A-C-U-D-A hyphen S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L for more information. Check it out today. Don't you wish your kid's soccer team could have 12 goalies instead of one? Blocking malware, exploits, and ransomware is just like blocking a soccer ball. Sophos's Intercept X employs a comprehensive defense in-depth approach to endpoint protection rather than simply relying on one primary security technique. It's 12 goalies instead of one. Ranked number one in malware protection, exploit protection, security effectiveness, and total cost of ownership. Valcom and Intercept X will protect your most vital information. So get some more goalies. Visit vlcmtech.com slash intercept dash X. That's vlcmtech.com slash intercept dash X. This season of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with the drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years means they have experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. At Valcom, you get much more than just a dedicated IT retailer. They actually become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and productive. Check them out, vlcmtech.com, to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's vlcmtech.com. Welcome back. Uh, segment two of the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. Marty Carpenter, Dan Skyler from Valcom, Anthony Boise from Sophos. Uh, Segment one talked a little bit about uh, Twitter, which led us a little bit into Russian hackers, uh, at least in our discussion. But uh, hey, Russian hackers in the news this week as well, because the whole world is racing to try to develop a vaccine for COVID-19. And uh, there are some countries that are perhaps a little bit ahead in that race. I think it's really interesting the way the United States is going about this, where they've essentially picked, these are our three or five most promising uh, potential vaccines. Let's produce them while we test them. So we're ready to go as soon as we know. Um, So everybody kind of in this race to see if we can get a vaccine. And the United States, the the United Kingdom and Canada, um, their intelligence services say this week that Russians, the Russians are actively trying to hack their way uh, to COVID-19 research, uh, including a vaccine. And so some of these words that you're going to hear in this discussion are names that we're familiar with, like Cozy Bear, not so much with the Dukes, but we have talked about Cozy Bear before. Um, so look, no surprise that Russia is going to try to get this, and it's probably not limited to Russia, but to have the United Kingdom come out and essentially say that the Russians have used a variety of tools and techniques in this hacking operation, who's your money on in this? Russian hackers or intelligence agencies in the US, Canada, and the United Kingdom? Where, where's the smart bet on who's going to be able to either uh, effectively play defense or effectively uh, hack into the system? You know, that's a, it's anybody's guess. I mean, it, it really, it really is like a whack-a-mole situation. The the hackers are looking for different ways to uh, breach the systems, and the defenders are looking for different ways to defend the castle, uh, if you will. Um, but yes, to your point, this it's not surprising, and clearly Russia is not the only country involved in this type of activity. 
um, and it will it will be persistent. They, you know, they're looking for intellectual property that will uh, benefit them, and and this is this has been going on for decades, and will continue to. And you know, COVID is the target, is the intellectual property target. The vaccine, the vaccine information is is the target of the hacker's choice right now, and um, it, it's going to continue to be a, a cat and mouse game. It's, it's an interesting evolution of, you know, we talk about the evolution of warfare from time to time that uh, it's, it's become cyber security. Uh, you know, it's become a cyber war issue and then it's become uh, sort of a bio, uh, bio attack. So here you've got, you know, a virus uh, causing havoc across the globe and you've got spies and you've got hackers I mean, we're sort of living in this weird, like, 1980s spy novel in some way that was predicting the future all I think too accurately. There's a, I think there's a book in this, Marty. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Someone could write that. So, Anthony, um, what exactly, I mean, is there anything that national intelligence organizations can do to help these research facilities protect their intellectual property? Is there some, there's not some silver bullet that they have that everybody else doesn't have. It's got, it's, I would imagine, a lot of the same fundamentals we talk about. Absolutely. You know, a lot of those same fundamentals. And uh, like you said, there's no silver bullet. I mean, we have, you know, back in May, the FBI and the, uh, the CISA sent out a uh, kind of a warning and, and accused China, for instance, of funding operations for hacking efforts uh, to steal uh, the the vaccine or a, a potential vaccine information uh, from the US. And I believe we actually even mentioned this. Uh, maybe it was a couple of... Uh, couple of pods ago we um you know it, it was referenced about uh certain schools that have been directly approached or directly uh affected and um and then you know so with that i no doubt they're getting support from the government but at the same time unfortunately there isn't a uh a, a silver bullet like mentioned also previously there's there's a whole ton of uh, social engineering that's trying to go on, like we mentioned in the previous segment, uh, and then and then we've got like this hacking group um, or, or this this malicious uh, sorry malicious acting group, um, this uh, APT29, which comprises of of Cozy Bear and and also uh, the Dukes that um, they currently they're believed to maintain this just ginormous database of usernames and passwords and you know so they're going at it right they and they're trying to take it from that sort of that, that social side and, and, and going after individuals and, and trying to find a, a crack in through there, almost similar to the previous segment when we spoke about Twitter, compromising an individual, getting access to the system and, and so on. Um, you know, and, and some of the challenges that that, that brings in is that, uh, again, we're back to sort of the, the human being the weakest link there, but combining that with technology and kind of really bridging this weird uh, and putting us in this kind of weird sort of conundrum of of where do we put our defenses? How do we, I mean, we can train our users like we spoke before. We can put in our defenses um, uh, digitally, uh, but then when you combine the two of those, there's going to be a weak spot. And uh, and so going after, whether it's a school, a research agency, or what have you, uh, there's going to be certain methods placed in put in place, gaining assistance most likely from the uh, from the government because in a lot of cases, I'm sure the folks that are working on this, they don't have the full power to try and lock it down themselves. They don't have the, I mean, there's a whole wealth of knowledge and skill, for instance, with the FBI, with the uh, CISA, and 
they don't necessarily have that in their local research facility. And what I think is a big shame is we've got individuals with these genuine efforts attempting to to try and find something and to find a cure for whatever it may be. Because it, it's not just, you know, siloed and uh, for for just the coronavirus, right? For the for COVID nineteen, uh, it, it's in multiple areas and and a kind of broad spectrum. But you know, and we see threats, for instance, from like China and Iran and North Korea and, and Russia just targeting health organizations full stop. And um, obviously, but with that hot topic today being regarding a, a COVID vaccine. Yeah. So my hope is that they gain they're gaining assistance from the feds. Yeah. And a real advantage, uh, obviously, to any country who can come up with this. Uh, vaccine because then you've got it and you can produce it quickly for your people. And obviously there are some allies in, in play there and it gets to be sort of a geopolitical discussion as much as anything. But obviously uh, Canada, the US, the UK would like to figure this out first so that they can not only get it out, but get it out broadly to the rest of the free world and, and likely share it beyond that as well. And right. not as, not as uh, confident that they would have the same type of cooperation the other way around. So whether they're trying to steal the technology just to catch up to where we are uh, or, um, you know, to somehow put us behind or surpass us in some way, uh, just a really interesting thing that you can see this confluence of, um, you know, not, not what I guess you would call specifically a, a, a bio or a biological attack, but if you're going to hurt an ability to cure something that is uh, hurting a country economically, it's it's an economic attack using a biological warfare in a sense, and and using so some- strange. So, it's just a crazy dystopian place we kind of <laughs> find yeah, ourselves. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to add on this one? I think you know it, APT to twenty nine is using you know publicly available tools to scan for vulnerabilities. But Anthony mentioned this, and we talked about this previously. Um, and it goes right back to social engineering. COVID-19 is such a sensitive topic. There's so much sympathy around it, and it makes it, makes it that much easier to conduct a social engineering attack because of the sensitivity uh, around that. And so, you know, even though these attacks are, are using publicly available exploits, there are going to be other attacks and attempts by hackers to use social engineering and exploit covid uh, 19 as we've talked about before guys thanks for the insight uh, we'll uh, catch you on an upcoming episode cyber 24 is supported by the utah department of public safety as well as the utah department of technology services and the utah attorney general's office in addition the university of utah's chem c gardner policy institute is where we record this podcast each week at the chem c gardner policy institute they're dedicated to helping utah make informed decisions We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support.